Hey folks, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com and Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the, I am running an Eberron campaign, a homebrew Eberron campaign that I'm calling The Second Morning. This show is brought to you by the fine backers of Sly Flourish at Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash slyflourish, you too can be a patron of Sly Flourish and help fund all of the equipment and all of the bandwidth and a lot of other little odds and ends that it takes to make shows like this and to keep the website going and all of the other bits of the Sly Flourish empire. If you would like to help support the show, you can go and back me on Patreon over there. If you do back me on Patreon, you get access to a uh, uh, unique, a uh, an adventure that's only available there called uh, Regnum Rattus, The Rats in the Cellar. This is an adventure I put together over the last couple of months and cleaned it up and got some good design work from Brian Patterson and a map from Axbane, uh, Daniel Walthall, and put together as a Patreon exclusive. So if you back Sly Flourish on Patreon, you can get access to this level one to five adventure in which you go through the ancient tunnels beneath an inn and hunt for an evil that has uh, saturated in the, in the land. Uh, so yeah, if you want to back me there, that'd be awesome. Uh, let's see. So we got a bunch of people here today. Wow, lots of people here today. Hey, my mom is here. Hello, mom. Always have to say hi to my mom. Uh, yeah, so last week, uh, was the first full session of my Eberron second morning campaign. And, uh, I didn't know exactly where they were, where they were going to go. So some of like session zero and session one is a bit of playing catch up because the story's sort of rolling forward and the way I tend to run my campaigns is I don't have this super clean delineated story yet I am kind of figuring the story out based on choices that the players make and then sort of solidifying from there and uh it's always a bit tricky so like in session zero I don't even know who their group patron is going to be I don't know who they actually work for so I have like a scene in mind and the scene was uh that a that a lightning rail car in the city of Sharn is exploding uh, that that agents, uh, supposed agents of the uh, Lord of Blades is trying to blow this up to make a statement, but it's really not Lord of Blades agents, it's somebody else. And, uh, you know, and I figure like, I've got that scene, so I'll figure out how to t- change the details of the scene to fit whatever group patrons and stuff like that. Like they're there to meet somebody uh, and that somebody has some inf- important information to tell, but I have to fill a lot of that in. So as the game is going, I'm trying to figure out uh, you know, who the patron is and what and kind of information they're going to get and all that sort of stuff. So then in session one, I'm starting to catch up and I'm like, oh, okay, like here's these different places you can go and, you know, which one of the hooks are you going to kind of grab onto? There's like, well, who, who, you know, the Lord of Blades people, what's up with them? Do we want to figure them out? And, um, you know, or, are, you know, hey, there was this crazy harpy who tried to kill the person that you're, uh, the, the, you know, the information giver, which means that there were two attempts on her life in like a day. So do you want to find out who hired the harpy? Uh, or you also have the mission itself that, that the, the group is giving, which is there is an ancient, uh, not an ancient, but a ruined temple to Oron, the god of uh, uh, the god of law and lore. And um, there is supposedly a book there called the Book of Making. And a lot of people seem to be interested in this book and therefore we're interested in too. Now, since the players chose uh, uh, the Finders Guild as their group patron, which is a tie to House uh, Thrashk. I think it's pronounced Thrashk. I don't know. Somebody in chat will correct me, I'm sure. Um, since they are... Um, 
what is it? So since so they're with House Thrash, so um, that changes the storyline a little bit. That they're they're why they're going there. But I knew they were going anyway. So the group decided, and eh, not really inter- interested in the sort of the Lord of Blades thing. Um, and, and we have a job, and the job pays money, and we're Finders Guild, and that's what we do. And I'm like, cool, all right. So they kind of said like, you know, yeah, we got this like weird Drask or Dask monster. Thing going on over here we don't know about that the harpy agent who was supposed to be like a flying banner ad and then turned to do a killer um oh and i want to talk about this scene because it was freaking awesome and then we have uh you know this crazy lord of blades thing where it's like somebody's trying to make it look like the lord of blades ran this terrorist attack but they really didn't do it and we could go figure that out and we're like or we could do the job we're being paid to do right and they're like let's do the job we're being paid to do so that's where they headed i'm like okay so you know and what that kind of tells me and i, I don't want to hang on too tight with that but it kind of gives me the idea that like they're more interested in like the straightforward stuff, right? Like, hey, we're part of the Finders Guild. The Finders Guild gives us jobs. We take the jobs and we go and we do finding. And they're like, okay, like that's, you know, it makes it easy on me. And then I don't have to worry about all the crazy like inner politics. And I'll probably bring it, bring it back in. But maybe like the Lord of Blades thing kind of dies on the vine. I don't really need to worry about that. And the nice thing is I didn't do any work, right? I didn't really, I didn't really, um, uh, you know, come up with deep, big stories. You, like, you, you know, all my notes are like fit on a single page of paper. So... I can let the players kind of show me the kind of game they want this to be and then focus on that. And that I think is cool. And, you know, for me, like it's easier. And I think we'll talk about that today, that it's easier for me to run like, you know, a traditional, like you get a job, the job is go collect the thing. The thing is in a dungeon. You go into the dungeon, you fight some creatures and weird stuff down there, and then you get the thing. And we can make it more complicated and I'm going to, but, um, you know, on the other side, that's like the nice purity of D&D. So then it's like, well, how do you take the traditional, like, get a job, go in a dungeon, collect a thing, come back, and wrap it in Eberron stuff so that you've got these, like, you know, the Emerald Enclave, or Emerald Enclave. You've got the uh, uh, Emerald Claw bad guys, and you've got, you know, monsters from Droam, from the criminal organization of Droam, or Dask, uh, and you've got, you know, all sorts of, like, different sort of players that are involved. And I think that the players, the players could be pretty neat. I've got dust in my eye. Uh... So, yeah, so the the fun bit of, I think if you recall from the last session, I said, wouldn't it be neat if they're standing on an overlook? This is that strong start idea, right? Like, how do you, and particularly like the strong start idea. So let's, let's, let's take a look at Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master for a moment. Let's drop into the, into the book, right? And talk about the strong start. So I think chapter, here it is, create the strong start. Chapter four, right? The idea about the strong start uh, is that you really want to just dive into the action. And I would say that Eberron, more than any other uh, campaign setting that Wizards has put out recently, which is easy because there's not that many, uh, really focuses on this idea of like pulp, noir, drop into it, go crazy, you know, show things happen. You know, that little image that I've got in the lower right, uh, you know, that that to me is kind of like the thing. You're hanging off of an airship, getting ready to jump onto a lightning rail. It's big, right? The big things happen. And there's subtlety and there's intrigue because it's all Cold War era kind of ideas, you know. But there's also a lot of like Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark of, you know, hanging from the back of a truck by a whip. And that's kind of what happens. So like they're sitting on an overlook. They're talking to the person who's telling them about like, hey, lots of, you know, lots of people are getting involved in collecting weird artifacts all over Sharn. And some people think it's really dangerous. And by the way, Dark, the King's Dark Lanterns, who's like the spy group, they are going after this stuff. They're really dangerous, these guys. And, um, you know, and they, they think that whatever's happening is really dangerous. So big things are happening and we need to be involved. And I think they're all, you know, people have heard about what's going on down in, uh, uh, you know, down in that temple. So be careful. 
And oh, you know, like, why is that harpy paying attention to us? So, like, harpies are part, you know, mo- there are monsters in Sharn, and some people hire the monsters in Sharn, and somebody hired a harpy to go talking, basically, an ad, right? She flies by, and I rolled this randomly. Another key thing is that great scenes can come from random seeds. Um, I rolled randomly on an idea on, on, a, on like a thing that could occur. And the thing was a harpy flies by talking about how there's a local merchant who has the best, the best price on adventuring gear in town. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if that harpy was also actually secretly an agent that was hired to kill uh, the, the NPC that the characters are dealing with. And so the harpy flew in and it cried and it tried to charm people and it charmed no one except the NPC, which is perfect. I can't remember if I cheated or not. I might have cheated. Um, and the NPC... You know, they're all like, okay, like, what? let's get ready to fight the harpy. And they watch their NPC leap off the side of the, 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 the edge. Right? It's a thousand foot drop. And she just goes, ooh. And like, oh, <laughs> you know. And then it was like, we got to go save her. So then there's like people that are like quickly like throwing a rope around a statue and then leaping over. And they're like, you, you know, they didn't have time to put it on a statue. So they put it around this like roller bar thing that's up there for the hoity-toity people. So like there's this big roller cart full of booze and they tie it to that. And the cart of the booze goes slamming up against the railing and it's, teetering over and one of the other characters lays on top of it to try to stop it from teetering over while another character is plummeting over the side to go grab the npc they grab the npc and then the harpy screams again and charms another character and that character was leaping off and they're like oh my god another and so it ended up with i think about four characters including the npc that were hanging from two ropes off the edge of a thousand foot drop while two more up above were busy trying to attack a harpy and make sure that the other ropes that the that the harpy wasn't able to slash the ropes and get everybody to drop, and it was you know it was like right from that picture right it was crazy action it was like weird stuff happening everybody was understanding what was going on it was you know it was nuts and 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 awesome right and that that scene worked out really well and it was lots of fun and then afterwards they kind of rescued her and she's like okay two attempts on my life is enough I'm out I told you my information give me my money and they're like give you money we're not giving you money and then they're patron npc comes out who is a half-orc woman uh and let me drop over to my notes why don't we uh a half-orc woman who i decided i decided like we need to like introduce a, a main patron so both my wednesday group and my sunday group now have these like primary patrons uh doris de thrask right and she is a dragon marked member of house thrask and she is the uh she's like sala from raiders of the lost ark but she's a female half-orc and she's always like dressed in like crazy furs and like, you know, she's ready to go exploring. And and everyone's like, you haven't, you're in Sharn, right? You're in the upper tier of Sharn. Like, where are you going to go? And she's like, ah, it's an image. You know, everybody, everybody thinks that, you know, we, the Finders Guild needs to look a certain way. So we try to look a certain way. Um, and, you know, her thought is, you know, and what she said was like, we're, we're, we want to go where other people are going to be tomorrow, right? Like we, we go where others are, you know, we go where others are just dreaming. And, um, and there's all this danger that's going on, but there's opportunity there too. And, you know, we, we can ride off of this inertia, right? If there's this big pile of inertia that's going on in the city and a lot of people are looking for a lot of things, maybe we can get involved in this and maybe we can show that the right people end up on top and the wrong people don't and get rich in the process. Right. So a nice solid motivation and an easy NPC. So she says that, and then she tells him, you know, like, let's, let's go down to that place and find out. And, and I get open to the characters. I'm like, do you want to go to Nevermind, which is the bar that the uh, Warforge go to to engage in experiences? I think they ended up going there. Yeah, they went there. And, uh, you know, the, the, one of the characters who's like an early prototype uh, Warforged went there. And uh, they met with some kind of rough Warforged people that I kind of wanted to be. They're sort of like the IRA, right? I wanted them to be like, you know, 
uh, hey, we're like normal upstanding citizens, but we're sympathetic to, you know, to the Lord of Blades. Just saying, like, we didn't do anything and we're not responsible. And they found out that the, the guy had, was like a traumatized Warforged guy from the, from the war, uh, the dude who tried to blow up the train. But they're like, you know, he wasn't, he met with humans and, and they told him he was just seeking odd jobs like a lot of us are. And they said, hey, we got good money for it. Next thing he knows, he's up there getting ready to blow himself up. And that sucked. So, you know, but we don't, you know, he didn't do it for the Lord of Blades, I can tell you that. And so they almost got in a fight with the woman that was running the bar, who is a Lord of Blades agent. And, um, you know, and then they finally kind of took off and said, all right, enough of that. And then they headed down into Fallen. And Fallen is on the lowest tier of the Dura district. And um, they uh, went through and they saw these like huge statues, the, the, the decapitated heads of statues of gods lying on the ground. And they're kind of going through and there's all this like creepy stuff. And then they get attacked by a group of people who, um, and I think I might change it up. I, I, I did it in my Wednesday group and it worked really well. And I don't think I gave enough that it matters, but that they are, um, uh, that, that there's a, there's a fallen angel here named Sol, S-O-L. I call it Abriel, but I think I like Sol better. And um, the cult of, it has a cult of Sol who are made up of people like that. They're known to everywhere else as ravagers. Uh, but the ravagers are actually all kind of, or many of them have been charmed by this, by this fallen angel uh, who's down. Um, uh, you know, the fallen angel who is down in the um, down in fallen and has uh, taken over one of the temples. And I think it's always good to like take over a temple for the God of one of the characters as a thing. And they cannot face this idol, but they might see it. And then they go, you know, we gotta, we gotta get away. So um, the characters were just talking to the cult of soul and the cult of soul said, you're not worshipers, you're food. And they attacked. And so we are starting our next session with the characters getting attacked by a big pile of, ravagers who are you know they're bandits so um yeah so that's where the game begins so if we go through our notes here getting prepared for our game that's where everything started i I haven't taken a look in chat uh arian's saying good morning yay uh he's not your problem says my party's been dealing with politics of avernus for a while on friday i offered them a contract to get an artifact from a dungeon they jumped on it i think people like to switch up uh, styles yeah and different players want different things and some like the intrigue and others just want D &D, you know or you know they want to go dungeon delving so it's nice to sort of offer it up and and have you know do little bits do little bits of either of them, right? Do, you know, do a little dungeon stuff and then do a little intrigue. And um, I really like this. And I, I, I know I talked about this in uh, articles on Sly Flourish, but it's been a long time that like when, when um, Valve was making uh, Portal 2, they would regularly, or either Portal or Portal 2, uh, they would test it with people and they would have people play test it and they would stop at certain points to say, tell us what's going on in the story. And they would listen to what the players said about what the current story was and then would dial back the story to make sure that they could get a better understanding of what was going on. They were like, how much are they retaining? And I think that's really interesting that like we can throw these big plots out there, but it helps us to kind of say like, what are the characters, you know, what are the, what do the players pick up? And, you know, that, and then they can kind of dial your story around to make sure that the amount of information that's going out there is just enough to keep people interested, but enough that they're actually retaining what's going on. And, uh, and I would expect it's less than you think, you know, that, that, uh, I, I, knew, so, uh, E.B. White, the writer had a great statement, which, uh, was that, uh, readers are in trouble about half the time, you know, when it comes to like clarity of writing. 
And uh, I like ste- I'm going to steal that for D and D and say like players are in trouble about half the time. You know, players aren't players don't understand what's going on about half the time. And um, yeah, players are lost about half the time. It's a good one. Evil John. Evil John, of course, clarified my you know clarified my statement even more so. And um, you know that, that however much stuff you've thrown into your story, they're probably picking up about half of it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make that general statement. So if you dial it back, right, and, and, and this is where we use tricks like, hey, who wants to describe what happened in last week's game? And you usually find the player, who, in my, both of my groups, I have note take, you know, one note taker in each group, which is awesome, and thank God for them. And they'll go back and say, oh, here are all the things that happened. And they're sort of picking up what's happening. And that way you can go like, okay, they didn't really pick up on the other thing. And, and then we hang on with a loose script too. Like we, we lazy DMs, you know, or I, I certainly hang on with a loose script too. And I forget sh- sh- stuff. And so, you know, when I forget stuff, I just let it go because no one, no one remembered and that's okay. Like, you know, sometimes stuff falls back into the ether again and that's cool. Other times I like change names of characters and people are like, wasn't that person called something else? I'm like, I don't know. Do you remember? I'm like, no. I'm like, well, he's called this now. So you like that? Yeah. Stuff. So, um, all right. So who are the characters? So now I have all six characters. I don't know if you recall, but I have one player who I kind of lost contact with. It turns out he's very busy because of the COVID-19 situation, but he is able to kind of jump in. I think he has to jump in late. He has like a, you know, he's doing a thing on Sundays that he has to go to, like a briefing on Sundays he has to go to. Um, so uh, yeah, so they now, our characters have a uh, the, the, the part of the Finders Guild, uh, the member of House the Rash. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, we have Arwen Z Zizu. Z uh, goes by Chi Chi. Uh, who is a gnome artificer, father was a famous hero, uh, has a dodecahedron from your follower, says when you're smart enough to open it, you'll be able to open it. Uh, that's played by Jerry. Uh, Juliet is playing Shift, a warforged warlock, Pact of the Undying. Uh, Shift, Shift was a human experiment of life, of extension and expansion. Sort of a, uh, you know, imagine like a cyberpunk, you know, 2020 character started human but then got started replaced and should have died but didn't and house kenneth a a a, a, a uh, like an artificer of house kenneth kept her alive and claims like ah, i did it i kept her alive but her the fact that she's alive is actually coming from somewhere else and that has to do with the undying uh warlock pack that she's got uh no names mentioned on who that uh uh what, what was it i don't want to reveal who it is um it was a good, somebody had a good one. Uh, so I think there could be fun. There's a fun hook there. Uh, Saber is Brian, a long tier shifter monk and bounty hunter, uh, and has been a member of House Therask, uh, House Therask for some time. Uh, we have Shane Husk, a hobgoblin wizard. So some people wrote a lot of uh, background on their characters, and I pasted it all in here. So I've got a lot of character, you know, some a lot of text for some characters and hardly any text for others. And that's cool. Uh, Shane Huska, the Hobgoblin Wizard crime novelist, uh, wrote a best-selling book about the Mornland and wants to see if they can do it again. Previously served with the heirs of Dakan as a military strategist and historian, as a sage background, retired early and is seeking to uh, try to rewrite the next novel about the second morning and, and make, you know, have lightning strike twice. And so it's not occasion, like, they went up to the bar and he's trying to talk to the Warforge and the Warforge's like, oh, you wrote, you know, you wrote that book? And he's like, yes, I did. And they're like, yeah, it was crap. You know, you wrote the book the morning. Yeah, it didn't cover. It didn't talk about what happened there at all. You hack. And it's like, well, thank you for the criticism. I always appreciate criticism. Right. And uh, so fun stuff there. Um, Banner is uh, played by Joe, a warforged paladin of the becoming God, fought for years in the last war, grew weary uh, with being used by the fleshborn who grounded this kind, uh, who ground his kind into the ground. 
then he linked up with the Lord of Blades for a little bit, and then he uh, saw that they were just butchers, and he left the Lord of Blades, and now he is um, uh, a servant of the Becoming God and is looking to join the Godforged, which is sort of like the religion of Warforged. I actually don't know anything about the Godforged. If somebody knows something about Godforged, that works out really well. Um, he's not your problem. says, pronouncing Therask. Uh, I'll have to take a look at that. Um, uh, Zaranti, I think it's Zarantir. I, I pasted this wrong. Something like that. Uh, is a Tempest cleric storm sorcerer. You can only be one so far. Um, Mark of the Storm, uh, half-elf, an independent scion and wandslinger of House Lirindar, uh, who got kind of kicked out of House Lirindar after an incident with an airship. Uh, and is now uh, kind of on loan to, uh, I pronounce it th- as in third, uh, Therashk. Yeah. Therashk. 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 We're going to go with Therashk. Um, so they're on loan uh, and joining the... Um, uh, uh, joining the finders guild is sort of, you know, like get out, the, get away from the family for a while. It's this or jail. So, um, you know, get away, uh, uh, get away for, uh, get away from here for a while. So that is where that, that those are the characters that we have uh, lots of interesting characters, um, and lots of fun hooks to pull on. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So our strong start is great. The, uh, the rate, uh, what are they called? The rat, uh, reavers. um, the Ragers, uh, the Cult of Soul is what I'm calling them. I think they're called Ragers, right? Ravagers. Um, and so let's do a quick, uh, we'll do a little bit of uh, slide flourish encounter building in our head. So I think bandits, um, that's what you called them earlier anyway. Yeah, I don't know if that's what's called. It's in the book. Uh, I should look. It's right there. Uh, if we go to, let's go to our Eberron book. And let's go to Sharn, City of Towers, and we click uh, here and go Fallen. Um, fallen, 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 Fallen. District of Fallen is a haunted ruin. They talk about Fallen all over the place. There we go. Uh, fallen District of Dura. Today known as Fallen Strewn. Only the most desperate people live here. As a result, the district has lots of space. Followers are radiant. The followers of a Radiant Idol, the Cult of the Dragon Blow, or any of I thought there was a thing about the name of the... Yeah, Ra- the Ravers, they're called. <laughs> there it is. Search. Uh, everyone else calls them the Ravers, but now there's, part of them are following the Cult of Soul. And these are bandits, right? So we have six characters. They are level two. If we add up all of their levels, that is 12. If we divide that by four, that's uh, three, six, nine, 12. That's three. So we have... CR3's worth of monsters and we're going to be throwing bandits. The question, and I know it's going to be bandits. The question is how many bandits, right? Uh, Ravers, cult. Uh, Do we want to do bandits or cultists? Uh, Probably cultists, right? I mean, they are cultists, so let's go with cultists. Glow-painted faces. Yeah, right, glow sticks, right? That would be pretty funny. I kind of like that. I might do that. Uh, good old D&D Beyond. I think cultists are CR4 or one quarter. Um, cultists are uh, CR one eighth. Wow. They are point, what is that? Point two? No, it's point one, two, five, something like that. Uh, one eighth. So that means eight of them accounts for one. 
which means we could theoretically have 24 cultists. That sounds a little nutty. And, and, and you know, that would be a deadly fight for level two characters. So we're going to go with uh, half that uh, and do 12. So there will be one, two cultists per character. Um, so uh, I heard a really good trick. This was a trick that um, uh, Oboe, what's her name? Oboe something, Oboe crazy? Uh, Lauren, I forget her last name. Damn, somebody remind me. Uh, Lauren, uh, Oboe Lauren, and what's her last name? Damn it. She was on a podcast recently with Todd Kendrick on um, on uh, 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 D&D Beyond's YouTube channel. And they were talking about how to play online. And she brought up something that was really important. Lauren, Lauren Williams. Excellent. Um, they, she was, she brought up a really good point that in all my blather about theater of the mind and talking about running theater of the mind, I never really said it, which is like, just keep the battle simple, right? Like, and this is sort of an antithesis for people that like, Oh my God, no tactical players need tactical interest. And it's like, yeah, maybe sometimes, but probably most often not. And sometimes, and especially when you're running theater of the mind, and especially if you find yourself in a situation, Lauren Urban, yes, that sounded right. Lorraine Williams was the <laughs> former head of TSR, I think. Um, Lauren Urban, and she said, um, "Just keep, you know, keep it simple, right? Keep the keep the tactical stuff simple. If you're in theater of the mind, and you can run theater of the mind, so." Like, this is not a boss fight. This is just a strong start. And I'm just going to throw cultists at the characters, right? And I'm going to say they're surrounded by them. You know, the characters are in a group. They're surrounded by the cultists. They're rushing in. You know, they're probably 10 feet apart from each other. And there's 12 of them. And then here they come, right? And they're going to they're gonna come running on in. And, um, yeah, Drager says that um, 12 cultists for six second-level characters is a medium encounter. So, uh, Drager, how many is 24 cultists? How many cultists goes into deadly, I'm curious. Because I know that 24 cultists is deadly based on my um, head math, you know, when I do the, the um, you know, I do the divided thing. Uh, but I'm curious how many cultists, it's under 24, I'm sure. But how, how far off am I with my head math? I'm very curious about it. 15 is deadly. So I'm pretty far off, right? 15 cultists is deadly. And that's because you get action economy. When you have that many creatures, action economy. Uh, second level characters for Serge Troy says what level characters. So six second level characters. I bet six, seven, like six second level characters would not have a hard time. They're not going to have too hard a time with 12 cultists. I don't think, um, cause cultists just run up and attack. So, uh, anyway, that idea of like, keep combat simple. I think it works, right? And I think like D&D had pretty simple combat for a long time. And I think it wasn't really until third edition when uh, combat started to get complicated and environmental effects and weird other things started to go in there. And that's cool. And you should put those in there and you should have them for certain fights and boss fights and stuff like that. I think having a lot of complicated things going on, different, you know, different types of monsters, you know, maybe three different kinds of monsters is okay. And lots of like environmental effects that could have, that could bring things in there. I think that's cool. And maybe, you know, maybe in an encounter like this, you could have some stuff around there. So you know, having said like, uh, you know, that the, if we if we think about the area, uh, what are some features of the area? You could have a decapitated uh, statue of a god. Uh, what else? You could have like a, um, um, you know, uh, iron 
uh, a pile of sharp iron wrought rubbish full of tetanus. Right? Um, and do we want... I think that's probably good. Like, again, I'm not going to get complicated. Is the statue unstable? What do you think? If a, if a player says, is it unstable? Yes. Maybe. Are you going to go give it a shove? Give me a perception. Give me a perception check and I'll tell you if there's crack. I don't know if jars of poison would be just sitting around. But I think, like, in this ruins of... You know, the, the whole thing is they're on the street in the middle of Fallen. And Fallen is this place where, like, an, a whole tower collapsed down and destroyed this temple district so there's like you know all of those things and the idea of like a giant pile of rebar you know kind of sticking out of a of an area and if you fall into it you'll get like you know you'll get tetanus so that can kind of work um ruined vehicles golem type things that look almost repairable yeah you could have like an entire wrecked lightning rail might be kind of cool but i think we're good um you know, I think I think that that's I think that that's solid. I'm I'm happy with. I don't need it to be more complicated. But yeah, what Lauren said really struck home with me, which is like when you're running theater of the mind stuff, just dial back the complexity, right? Just just keep things simple. That's why like being surrounded by a bunch of dudes, like they all know it, right? And it kind of sucks. And sometimes you want to say like for the player characters, like you have the drop in the there's, there's two guys standing there and not even paying attention to you, right? And they're 30 feet away. What do you want to do? And you're like, ooh, you know. So you want to move like the advantage of the situation over back and forth. And in this case, they got surrounded by a bunch of dudes. They're going to get attacked and they'll blast them with spells and they'll, they'll, you know, hit them. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there, there we've got that. And I think a, an interesting effect is that they'll see soul. Um, uh, we'll step out of a nearby, uh, and kind of watch and like radiate this holy light. And they'll get this image of like, wow. They weren't kidding. There really is a God down here. And they're like, oh, that's not a God. So, um, uh, yeah, so that goes. Uh, Serge Troy says, have you found VTT to be very accommodating or is it uh, is that sort of anti-lazy DM? I, I believe it is anti-lazy DM. Um, and when I say anti-lazy DM, there's, there's a couple aspects to it. I wrote about this. And actually, if you go to Sly Flourish right now, uh, there is an uh, article about how to play. Um, I'll paste it in the chat for you. Um, there was an article about the shared experiences of playing D and D online. Um, and I think I will put that in my notes here too, because I think, I think it's important. Um, this is my attempt trying to help out, right? Um, what is it called? I already forgot the name of it. Uh, shared experiences playing D and D online. I call it shared experience because, because this isn't just me talking. I actually did some research and talked to a lot of people about what they did and then tried to encapsulate it into an article that offered the best practices for, for this kind of thing. Um, so, uh, I, I think anything you can do to get playing D and D in a time like this is important. Uh, I talked about this last week too, that any, any tool that you can use that helps you get to play D and D is important. And if anything is making it harder to play D and D, then you need to think hard about what benefit it is giving. I have found that just getting people connected in audio with a shared chat window is enough for us to be able to play D and D. Uh, and I believe that I have enough tools available. So I'm, I'm using discord and actually my article on Monday, um, is about how to, how to play D and D with just discord. And uh, there's a lot of little tricks that you can do to play D&D with just Discord. A lot of people use Discord and Roll20 together. And I think that that works fine. And that actually, I think the way I would do it is with a, a, a Chrome plugin called Beyond20. But I have had players in both of my games who don't have access to a PC when they're playing. 
they're playing right off of a phone or they have a tablet or something like that. And Roll20 is a little too hard to play or sometimes impossible to play when you don't have a full PC. So because we're all not sitting in front of Windows PCs with Chrome running big screens and all of that, uh, the lowest common denominator is important when it comes to the tools that we use. So I've learned how to use just Discord. And uh, that that works well. But lots of people use Roll20. I personally found that Roll20 is very fidgety. And there's a lot of like little tricky bits to it. I think Beyond20, which is a plugin for Chrome and Firefox that connects your D&D Beyond character sheets and monster sheets with the roller system in Roll20 works really well. So... Um, that I think if I was going to use Roll20, I would do, yeah, it's called Beyond20 is the name of that plugin. Um, yeah, and of course it doesn't work with mobile. And to me, being able to play D&D over mobile is really important. So I've been using Discord. And even then, it's been, tri- it's been tricky. Like I had a friend yesterday, we were playing my, uh, Ever- my Avernus game yesterday and it went really well. I was very happy with it. But at one point, um, some goofy thing happened on the guy's computer and it, and it hosed up Discord and it hosed up all the audio. And it took him a while, about 30, 45 minutes to troubleshoot what was going on and they switched to the phone, but the phone connection wasn't great. And there's all kinds of stuff. So it was really, it was really tricky. Um, and that was just discord. So it can be, you know, and, and there's, you know, that smart dude, right. And smart dude, good equipment, very eager to play D and D and yet weird problems. And I think it ended up that like when he installed the software, it messed up his audio drivers and it automatically set all of his defaults to zero. So he couldn't hear anything on the computer at all. You know, it was really like troubleshooting. It. And he was like, we're in the middle of a game, right? Like this happened three hours into a four hour game. <laughs> and it's really frustrating for everybody. Um, but we got to figure it out and then we we're able to come back into it. And, you know, next time, we'll, next time we're all, all for the knowing. Um, so uh, he's not your problem. Says as a DM, do you roll with offer or hide your rolls? I hide my rolls. I like to roll. I have my nice wormwood dice tray and my fancy uh, aluminum dice. And I want to roll my aluminum dice and my dice tray. So I roll, um, I roll, uh, uh, outside of, uh, Avra and I tell players that they are free to either use Avra or not. Some like it, some don't, some think it's just kind of fun to play with. Um, and then others are happy to roll on the table. My wife, uh, switches back and forth depending on which one rolled lowest <laughs> most recently, which I think is pretty awesome. And, uh, uh, yeah. So the nice thing about something like Avra, Avra is a, uh, discord plugin that connects to your D and D beyond character sheet. It's a dice roller, but it also can look up monsters or spells or things like that. So you can look up things inside, um, right inside. And it also can connect to your character sheet and you can do like direct attacks from your character if you want, and it'll roll everything for you. And it's pretty good. It's really great. It's uh, got the initiative system in discord and Avra is really cool uh, in that you can set up, I'll show it right now because I've got it at the bottom of my thing here. Uh, You can set up this macro um, and this macro, uh, lets you put all of the character names in, even if they're not in D&D Beyond, you can put their character names in there and you can put their initiative bonuses in there and then run this alias, which is just bang, roll and it, uh, exclamation mark, roll and it. And it rolls the initiative for everybody in the group automatically and tells everybody when they're going. And boy, is it fast. It's so much faster than asking people to roll initiative and recording it. Um, and there's a little bit of like, eh, especially when people roll low, they don't like it. But, um, boy, it's so much quicker than asking six people to roll initiative and rolling for the monsters. And you can just, you can just do this. In fact, what I do is I usually stick a generic, I stick a generic and I give it a, a, a one on the initiative, I give it a low. Um, so that way I just grab this and go. And then if I need to roll for any situation, I'd go rolling it and bang, it goes. And I just assume, you know, like the initiative modifier for monsters is a little lower and I'm kind of cheating a little bit by giving everybody a monster one, but I could just roll initiative bang. And, and it's really, it's really, um, 
really solid. Uh, Matt Colville apparently streamed an intro to Fantasy Grounds. So that's a good one too. Fantasy Grounds has, I don't think it's got a mobile client, right? I think you have to play on a PC. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, Sly Jim from Take 20. We're going to do right now a couple guys that we don't have computers, so we're looking at options. It's good to hear what you've gone through and others figuring out. Yeah, if you don't have computers, I mean, I would, so, and, and I've got the article coming out. I don't know that it's going to blow anybody's mind about what you can do, but I would definitely say try Discord because there's a lot you can do with Discord. And uh, even when you're doing like dungeon delving and even when you're doing battles where you need to show stuff, I think there are still options for Discord, even when someone's on a phone of basically doing snapshots of the piece of the dungeon you want to show, uploading that into Discord and then people on their phone can go look and go, ah, okay, that's what the situation looks like. I want to go to that upper right corner. So um, yeah, there's definitely some options there. All right, let's get back to uh, where the hell my game is going to go. So they're going to get attacked by Cultists of the Soul, the Ravers. Where did I put, did I paste this all in the wrong spot? I wrote a whole thing here. I thought I did. Maybe I didn't. Uh, am I in the right notes? I am in the right notes. Yeah, so cults, all the ravers. And we decided that 12 uh, cultists attack the characters. I swear to God I wrote this. Where did I write this? Did I put it in the wrong part of my notes? Uh, weird. Did I lose it? I swear I wrote this. Okay, anyway. Uh, and the cultist comes out. Um, the, did I have it in the, in the area? No, I don't have it in the area. I don't know where I put it. Weird. I lost it. So Sol, the fallen angel, uh, shows up. Uh, he steps out from a nearby uh, temple. Um Weird. Yeah, here it is under monsters. Hey, we found it. Control F is your friend. All right, good. So, good strong start. I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah, we've got like the crazy, right? Decapitated statue of the god, the sharp iron rot rubbish full of tetanus. That's all set. So, we're good there. Uh, So, scenes. I really only have a couple. So, we have uh, Attack of the Cult. Uh, soul arrives and soul is going to be just a thing they see far in the distance and they'll know the power. Like I'm going to telegraph like hell, like you probably don't want to go run up and stab that with in the face. Like that's a bad idea, right? Cause it's going to be like a challenge 10. There is a fallen angel monster. Um, and it's, you know, you don't want to, uh, radiant idol it's called. And you do not want to go face one of these guys because they will take that big flail and they will hit you three t- twice in the face for 28 damage per hit. So that's very bad. You, you know, that's, that's, you're going to, you're going to die. Um, very bad. Uh, the radiant idol. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, that's, let's we'll stick that in monsters. Uh, monsters. Uh, CR 11 versus level twos, right? That's the point. You don't, they're not going to face the, you know, they're, it's not going to like run up and like, ah, and start killing them. It's, it's going to flow out from one of the nearby temples far away. And they'll see this like white radiant light. And like, everybody will have to make like a, a saving throw. And those who succeed on the saving throw, those who fail the saving throw will see this beautiful angel and feel this warmth coming out, right? Not charmed or anything like that because it's really far away, but just feel like, wow, holy cow, there's an angel in Fallen. And everyone else is going to see this like ripped winged monstrosity coming out with like, 
you know, kind of with like smoke arriving around him and they're like, oh my God, get away. So, um, you know, and, and no one's going to be pulled into it. But the idea is like there are things in Fallen that are, that are worse than you. And that's why the cult is here. So I don't think it's, it's not like I'm putting him in a spot. The thing's not going to come after them. It's just watching them. It's like, huh, look at that, right? And it's not even going to try to charm them. Um, but the cultists are going to try to stab him in the face. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's the, that's the soul arrives. Uh, and then arrival at the, um, uh, arrival at the temple, uh, the fallen temple of Auron. I believe that's right. A U R E O N. Pretty sure that's right. And um, and then exp- uh, you know exploring the temple. So that is uh, the scenes are pretty straightforward. Uh, pretty 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 you know well done. So um, let's run through some secrets. Uh, someone has hired agents of the Emerald Claw to recover the uh, book of making in the temple. Uh, they don't know who. Um, the Droam, uh, the uh, Dask, or uh, uh, Monsters of Dask, have also been hired to recover other artifacts. Uh, who would have hired the Emerald Claw? The, the Emerald Claw probably doesn't know who hired them, right? If they can, if they question them, who like who is the go-between? Um, and is it time to introduce a villain? Um, oh, I like the idea. That, I think I, I thought of this. That like, um, so I'm switching over to my campaign notes here. Um. So I like this idea, Leto's skull. Um, so what I did is I, I said, you know, like I'm running my own campaign. I should have like a brief outline of what I'm thinking is going on. And so I kind of wrote like chapters of like what I kind of think are going on. And we're sort of in chapter two, which is agents of the Emerald Claw are attempting to acquire one of the lost books of making, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, who are some good villains? And I thought like to have a, um, so I think like if you want a good villain, a, you know, an Oni is a fantastic villain because they can shapeshift. So the idea that, you have an Oni who's a member of the shadow cabinet of the Orem, who's sort of like the secret society of rich folk, but is also in service of uh, Dask and has been secretly hiring Emerald Claw and Monsters of Drawn to find the site in the Mornland where the weapon was made. And he has teams that are going all, all over there. Um, so, uh, it needs a name. Uh, it needs like a call name, right? We need we need a way to identify it and 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 a general look. So why don't we? What we can do is we can run over and, and grab uh, a random NPC because he can shift in anything, right? So we're go to our good old friends at um, Dungeon. Go to the random generator, and we got NPCs. Uh, Cena. Um. So a female elf alchemist. So who hired? Uh, let's see. Uh, by Cena, a female elf alchemist. Um, 
red hair and green eyes pleasant in appearance um wore modest garments and a feather hat uh and she didn't seem to have a problem showing who she was which is curious like she, she didn't you know um So I think the kind of fun bit is that um, um, Leto Skull uh, has many personas that he uses around the area. Um, let's stick them in the NPCs. Uh, uh, so that's a good one. So then they can th- – and, and I'd, I'd like to sort of hint that um, – Maybe uh, the maybe one thing that the, he likes is he's got green eyes, and so he shapeshifts. He doesn't have to have green eyes, but he often does. And Dask, um, Dask was hired by, and this is one where like it could be too com- too complicated. But the main thing is like you know you don't want to blow the, um, uh, oh Huga. Uh, yeah. Um, Goldfinch, a male elf, uh, with brown hair and amber eyes. We'll go with green eyes. Um, Task was hired by Goldfinch, a male elf servant with brown hair and green eyes. Um, so that's who hired Dask to murder, um, Murdo, right? What other secrets do we have? Um, the Book of Making uh, uh, captured uh, arcane magic of the giants of Zendrak uh, from many thousands of years ago. I think it's more than like you know from hundreds of thousands. Um, and we have that, uh, house owes much, um, most of its, um, magic from ancient giant, uh, lore. So, um, some believe the weapon wasn't new, but old. I don't know if that's true. That, that, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. Uh, other things that they could learn about Oron. Let's take a look at Oron and see if there's um, fun, you know, fun little bits of lore we can drop on. Um, 
Um, I'm just zipping through looking to see if there's any kind of fun Oron stuff. Like this. The Stoic Order of Oron took a vow to use their talents to preserve and advance civilization uh, and operate in the law. So that probably means... Um, We'll worry about get rid of the law stuff. Um, they hid dangerous magic. Um, I think that that would be kind of fun. Any other kind of bits of... Uh, Upper Dura has the Stoic Order of Oron. Uh, that's pretty cool. This might be. And it is one of. That's not bad. Um, I don't know if there's any other secrets. We'll see. So other secrets that I used from last week um, include King's Dark Lanterns has been activated. They know about that. Large mercenary groups are on the move. Scholars of the university have been sequestered. I don't think they learned that. Uh, escalation of attacks on Lord of Blades and Breland. Many jobs coming in the Finders Guild from Orum. Orum. Das criminal group. Monstrous immigrants from Durham that operates. They learned about that. Dramas and Empire. Empire, yeah. Ruled by three hags. They did do that because they learned about the... Uh, the three nails. Juniper was hired by someone on behalf of Dask. I learned about that. They don't know. Uh, oh, human with an old tattoo of a burning green hand. Uh, Emerald Claw has long since been disbanded. Its members are often independent mercenaries, cutthroats, and city bodyguards. So, yeah, I think the one thing I changed was that uh, I said that we're hired. Um, EC was hired by Cena, uh, uh, you know, and I, I think, like, uh, do I have a uh, Lord Crash? Um is an agent. Yeah. So another NPC, that's a good one. And they might learn about is that, um, a bone knight of the Emerald Enclave of the Emerald Claw is here in, in Sharn, uh, former bone knight of the Emerald Claw, uh, is here in Sharn and they're, they're powerful. Uh, Lord Crash named, Lord Crash. That is an important one. We're going to stick that up higher. That's a good secret. Uh, so fantastic locations. Oh, so one thing is I want to, I want them to have a shop of their own. So they have a coffee shop and knickknack store uh, in probably in Dura. Uh, I think Middle Dura is a good place for it. And they need a name for it. Um, so we're figuring that out. Um So that will work. But the other one is, okay, so they're actually running the dungeon. So I need to take a look. Let's go over to, um, where, where am I, which window am I broadcasting here? I don't even know. Uh, okay, so let's go to this window. And let's go over to, uh, what's it called? 
Tyson. Tyson Blogs. And I'm trying to remember uh, which one. I think it was Pits of the Fallen Legion. Yeah, this is the one. I love this map. I loved it so much. And I am... There's a black and white version. We will use this one. So I thought this was a very cool map. Um, and the question is, can I, can I improvise as we go? And I think so. Like, I think we can put uh, a dreaded ochre jelly uh, inside this uh, watery pit here on the, uh, you know, here in the center. I think the vault, I'll probably put a vault door here that sort of blocks this off. Oh, and living spells are sort of wandering around. So it might be kind of fun to look for like first and second level spells that are, you know, kind of moving around. Um, and then members of the Emerald Enclave are here. That would probably be bandits and thugs. Um, they'll be kind of wandering around trying to figure out how to get past the, the various traps. Can I improvise a lot of this? I think so. I should, I should stick this here in my, whoops. Stick this URL in my notes here. Um, I'm probably going to be able to improvise this. Like I only have five minutes left. So I don't, you know, kind of interesting encounters. I guess what are some interesting encounters? So the idea is like there are certain areas of this place that are blocked off and, and Emerald Enclave guys are trying to get through, but they can't. Um, do I bother attaching things like area numbers to pop, uh, particular places in the dungeon? Do I know? Should I? Maybe, you know, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm sort of running this as I go. So, um, and I'm probably trying to improvise a little too much. It would probably be better if I did put, you know, very quick kind of, you know, what's where, uh, and I suppose I can real quickly. So let's, let's come up with some interesting ones here. Um, and I'm not going to number the rooms. I'll just, you know, I'll write them down and I'll know, I know in my head, which room they're going on. So, uh, the areas to the South is this broken area here probably has old statues, uh, of sages, there's probably no monsters in here, but there probably are like two EC bandits, right? Are wandering around here, uh, just kind of keeping an eye on things. Um, then uh, there's probably, I think this first room, uh, they will see a dead body of a, um, a dead body of an EC guy. Uh so this is sort of the first room, right? And the remnants of spells. So like scorch marks on the ground. Like what, what kind of living spell would have been here? Um, uh, living burning hands could be one. Yeah, like a living burning hands, right? Uh, so the body's all burned up. Um, and uh, what about living spell of legend lore? That's interesting. That kind of spews interesting stuff. Um, I think that there will probably in this room will be. Um, let's see. It was like so. The idea is like Emerald Claws in here, uh, and it's probably. I think in this southern. I don't know if there'll be anything in here. Um, I think they will have gone through, and they'll see that uh, uh, somebody has gone through. 
I think that there will be a, um, you know, they'll find like a dead guy in this pool room here to the south. Uh, well, and that has an ochre jelly in it. Um, dreaded ochre jellies. Uh, ochre jellies are kind of going to be kind of interesting. Um, and we'll see if I need one or two, probably just one. Uh, I think they have not, I think the Emerald Claw is in this center room. Uh, those circles are probably like, say, I don't know what those are. Uh, torn tapestries. Um, what would they be? Statues, wells, or pits? Well, what would make sense if you had a temple at Oron here? Uh, they could be pillars of knowledge, right? Uh, and a statue of Oron. And they have not been able to get past here because there's a living spell that's beating the crap out of them further on. And that's what's sort of guarding this this area back here, you know? Um, and, uh, I think it could be a living scorching ray. And then the book of making itself, uh, is in this room. And, uh, I like the idea of a, uh, what's a legend. Let's look at legend lore. Um, Legend lore is fifth level spell. That's crazy. Um, boy, this is like a DM spout lore, isn't it? Uh, I think the idea of a li- like a limited living legend lore would be kind of cool. Um, I like that idea. Uh and it talks about the danger of the weapon. You know, that would be kind of cool. So, yeah. Um, and I think, like, who is the head of the Emerald Enclave here? Emerald, I keep saying Emerald Enclave. The Emerald Claw uh, is probably a Acolyte. So, like, we'll, do, we'll make, like, a limited spellcaster. Um I can make up spellcasters on the fly, but like, yeah, somebody, I think of, you know, bandits, thugs, spellcaster, uh, not quite a mage. They don't, they didn't, it's unfortunate they don't have like a low level mage, but you can sort of take a cult fanatic and replace their spells with mage spells and you're close enough. Um, so, uh, and then I think, uh, I think it's time for a real piece of treasure. Uh, let's go back to donjon here. Uh, let's go to 5e, and there's a treasure, random treasure generator. And we will do, this is for a CR2, and this is for treasure hoard. And we just hit select till we see something interesting. Um, I'm looking for a permanent, I guess, do they have a permanent magic item? Is there like a random magic shop generator? Does this sell? Um, so a plus one suit of studded leather armor, um, compel its wearer to defeat cast the bloody. 
Uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, plus one shield is kind of neat. Um, plus one armor is considered rare, but plus one shield is not. Interesting. Uh, this, the, yeah, the studs are tiny skulls of people cast as killed. It's funny that studded leather armor is considered rare. You wouldn't think so. Um, is it time for a magic weapon? Not doing a wand of fireballs. Not doing a wand of lightning bolts. Um, lots of wands this guy's got. Arrows. <laughs> Plus one blowgun. Plus one light crossbow is pretty cool. Foes slain by this weapon fade and vanish without a trace. That is crazy. That is a really crazy cool weapon. Like that, I'm keeping that. But I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm giving it away yet. That seems, that's pretty awesome. That seems a little bit much. Uh... Weapons of warning are always pretty good. Um, right, a weapon of warning warns you of danger. Uncommon. Uh, magic weapon warns you of danger. While the weapon is your percentage, have advantage on initiative roll. While the weapon is on your person. Oh, wow. In addition, you and your companions of 30 can't be surprised except when incapacitated by something crazy. Weapon of warning is really good. That's a crazy. That's better than I thought it was. I thought it would like light up when orcs showed up or something. Um, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I'll 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 think of something. Maybe I'm giving away that the the assassin the assassin weapon is pretty great. The the light crossbow that when a foe is slain with it, uh, they disappear without a trace. That seems like a really interesting, you know, a really interesting weapon. Uh, very dangerous weapon. Um. So we'll see where we go, but it is, uh, it is time. So I feel pretty good about it. I think it's going to be fine. You know, let the players kind of drive the action and we'll see. Um, uh, can offer handle advantage and initiative rules? Yes. Uh, I think on any role you just put ADV at the end. So in this case, uh, I would go like that and Shane would have advantage on his initiative check and it would work. So yes, you can, you can do that. Uh, so I think I am all set. Uh, I want to thank everybody for coming today. I uh, always appreciate having people in the, in the chat, hanging out and trying to think about how to run our games. And I hope you guys are getting out there and, and playing some D and D. Uh, so I will see you guys next Sunday. Have a great, have a great week and stay safe, everybody.